Thank you for that. And we are super late, I mean, for normally for what we do here in the service, but it was an anniversary service, and I will, will not be long. And uh, I do want to thank you for being here. And I just want to share a thought with you, a brief thought this morning, to help us as we, we not just, we don't really just look back at what's happened over the last 35 years, <clears throat> but for me, I want to look forward to what's going to happen in the future. I will, and I'm not, I don't want to start out on a negative, but, but I'm going somewhere with this. Over the course of the many years, and it's just something that happens if you've been in a, a church for a while, you know people who at one time were, were doing great things for God and they were involved in serving him, and now, for whatever reason, they're not really doing anything. And I don't even, I mean, they, they've not just stepped, not just stopped doing things, they've stepped away from church. They've stepped away from their relationship with the Lord. People who were Sunday school teachers, people who were, were soul winners, people that served in the church, bus captains, bus workers, drivers, uh, people who went through our Christian school. Again, we've been here for 35 years. And not just that the fact that they were doing things, but the fact that God would do things in their life as well. Okay? They had relationships with God. And by the way, um, that is not, that's not, you say, well, wow, this, this must be a horrible church. No, that's just Christianity. Every church in this country has that. By the way, if you look, it happens to people in the Bible as well. What happened to Demas? Paul said, Demas has forsaken me because he loved the world. He used to, he used to, not, he used to labor with Paul and travel with Paul, and they started churches and so forth, but they no longer do that. Jesus told his crowd, the people that followed him, on many occasions, on one occasion, so many left, he looked at his disciples and like, hey, will you also go away? He goes, are you guys on the way out the door as well? And also there's a little phrase that's in there. At this time, many who followed left him. It's just, it just happens. People lose focus. People lose uh, uh, their relationship with God and they allow things to come in that cause them to step away from serving the Lord. And by the way, that doesn't just happen to Christians and individuals and people in the Bible. Do you know what happens in, in, in churches as well? There were churches that, that had tremendous ministries in the past, and now they're no longer churches. When I was first in Bible college, um, we were going up to our route in North Chicago, and, um, and we were driving by, and, and, and we were driving through the area going to our bus route. One guy goes, I want you to look at that building right there. It was a, a Butera. That was a, uh, I think they're still, they may still be out there. It was a grocery store chain in Chicago. And he goes, look at that building. And it was a, a Butera uh, grocery store. But if you looked at it, it was an older building. It was made out of the old brick. And if you looked at the design of it, it was designed like an old, huge church building. And he said, that used to be, they called it at the time, the Paul Rader Tabernacle. Paul Rader was the first pastor or preacher to ever, to ever preach on the radio. He had a tremendous uh, ministry in Chicago, five, 6,000 every Sunday in his church. It's no longer a church. It's a grocery store. You can look around, and, and uh, I can remember when we lived down on Broadway for a while, there was a, a church around the corner. That was a Baptist church. They used to have guys in to preach that if I mentioned their names, you would know them. It's no longer like that anymore. They're no longer around. Um, I remember when Pastor Esposito, before we started the church, he was raising some money, and he was on a deputation, and we actually went to a church up in North Long Beach, and uh, we were there on a Sunday night, 
that church no longer exists. When I was going to Gethsemane back in the day, there was another church that was in the area. It no longer exists. We've all heard, and I've quoted him, Lee Robertson. Lee Robertson had a huge church in Chattanooga. Many of our guys that would come on the claim teams, they, they were influenced by that ministry. Had a huge college. The college no longer exists. And the church has sold all of their property, and it's a small little church. It's not even a Baptist church anymore, just a couple hundred people. What happened? Something happened to cause those churches, like what happens with Christians sometimes, they lose their way. And they lose what they were doing for God. This church here, well, not this one, the old one. We built this one. The old one over there. Do you know at one time it was a thriving church? When we bought it, I remember we were remodeling and I found their, uh, I believe it was their, uh, uh, it, was a, it was from 1975. I think it was, it may have been the, 25, the 25th year anniversary of when they built the building. And I was looking and they had pictures of what they were doing. That was a brethren church, it wasn't a Baptist. They were running buses. They were reaching Long Beach. They were getting the gospel out. When we came, it wasn't even a church anymore. They were renting it out to other groups. Something happened. They died. We bought a church over here, our first church building, we bought on Pacific Avenue. Remember when we were remodeling there? We found blueprints that they had drawn for plans to expand their building. Never happened. They quit. The church died. I don't want that to happen to us. And I don't think it will. As I look at our church, 35 years from when we start, and it's because of God's glory, I think we're stronger than we've ever been. Because we have good people. God's just for whatever reason... And I, I don't know why. Well, how, I, God's just chosen for some reason to work through you, to work through us, to bless us. Amen. Someone comes and says, Pastor Myers, why do you think that's happening? And I, I have no idea. I just say, God, keep doing it. I don't want to do anything to mess it up. Yeah. Okay, it's almost like I come in here on Sunday and I see this building and now the balcony, I'm like, what's going on here? I don't know. I just don't want to mess it up. I want God to continue to do the work here. God has used our church. We have been in so many different facilities. I'm thinking, of, I can still remember that, that I, I, was, I was looking for that picture. I don't think I had it on my phone. That first service at MacArthur Park. I remember it, the little first service, and I know the little sideways picture because my wife was there, and she was probably 27 months pregnant with Allison. She was ready to be delivered. And I think Allison was born a week and a half later. So that's how I can always tell how old my, I just told everybody how old my daughter was. Sorry about that. We rented a church for a while. Some of, you, some of you might have been there. It was the Walk With Me Church of God in Christ. That's a long name. Yeah. I remember having Sunday school across the street with the teenagers on the stairs. Then we got that, I don't, this one I don't fondly remember. Well, then we were first friends for a while. Then we rented a condemned building on Long Beach Boulevard for nine months, and then they tore it down. We had to get out of there. And then Anaheim, someone here remembers the rain. We we went outside for eight years, and it rained. You say, what did you do when it rained outside in the services? We got wet. Okay, what did you do when it was cold? We froze. What did you do when it was hot? We sweat. We literally had these little metal bars, we welded them together, and we put a tarp on top of them. Now, the first Sunday, we put a blue tarp. You know those blue tarps are like um, magnifying glasses. They, They make heat worse. 
And everybody's in there like ants. You know, when we were kids, I know you shouldn't do it. You do the little thing and you burn the ant. You shouldn't do that. That's mean. But Pastor Esposito taught me how to do that. Uh, that's what happened to us. And finally we got, hey, let's get a gray one. At least that reflects the light. And it was, was better in there. And then we were able to buy our builder. Uh, then, then we were able to, to uh, uh, buy our building on Pacific Avenue and we're here. You know why we have, we've had to always use all these different facilities and move? Here's why. Because we outgrew them. God just did things. Here's the point. Most churches don't get to 35 years. After 35 years, most churches aren't having an anniversary. They're having an autopsy. And I, I, that's just what's happening. I'm glad that's not happening here. But, but we want to do everything we can to, to be engaged with God so that our church is going 35 more years from now. Where I live over here on the east side, I'm driving, and if you go down um, Studebaker and like I think Lois Lost Coyotes Diagonal, there's a church there. It's not a Baptist church. I remember they had a sign outside one time. Uh, two two small churches are are combining to be one thriving church, and I thought that's not the case. It's two dying churches combining to be one dead church. Yeah. They're they're losing it, yeah. and that's happening all across this country. Churches are closing all the time. I don't want that to happen here. Amen. So, and I also don't want in your life for that to happen. Amen. There are people that should be here today that were part of what we were doing. Yeah. And for whatever reason, they got off track and, and they're losing what God could have done or did do in their life. And that could happen to all of us, by the way. Me, yep. you, everyone. As we look at the scripture this morning, we see this chapter, in a sense, there's a lot of negatives going on about the work of Christ. The chapter starts with John being in prison, and he's sending to Jesus because he had a little bit of doubt about what was going on because of his situation. And then he, Jesus addresses those who rejected him and were critical of him. And then he condemns, condemns the city, cities where they had taken the gospel, and they didn't want to hear it. And then it, you get the point of the whole chapter. It's like, man, people just don't want to listen. So Jesus kind of turns and he makes an appeal to individuals. Because we as individuals can be discouraged. And by the way, let me just say this. If this church were to go in the wrong direction and die, that wouldn't mean that you as a Christian don't need for your faith to die. It ought to be strong in you. It ought to be something that's individual. And so... What is he telling us? These verses are a perfect blend of balance and comfort, of, of, of perfect balance of comfort and commitment. And they can be just what we need to make sure we stay on point. I don't want our church to end up like churches who have died yeah. or are dying or who are dead. They just don't know it. Yeah. I don't want you as an individual Christian to be someone whose faith is dying and you're drying up on the vine. God never wanted us just to come to church to soak it in. He wants us to serve. We've never been a church that wants you just to come for social events and not share the gospel. By the way, I'm for social events. We've never just been here to worship. We're here to work. We've never just been here for ourselves. We're here to help the world. We've never just been here for ourselves. We're here to make a difference in our city 
in our surrounding areas. We've never just been here for this generation. We're here because we care about the next generation. We've never just been here for the present. We're about the future. But if we're going to be a church that doesn't just celebrate 35 years, but commits to being better and brighter in the future, we need Christians in the church who are not dead, who are not dying, who are going forward. So here's the message. How can we keep going for Christ as a church and as a Christian? Four brief things, and that's it. Jesus tells us in the verses 28 to 30, as he branches out to talk to the individual believers, first of all, we must keep going to Christ. We must just keep going to Christ. Look what he says in verse 28. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. It's a very simple, but it's a very strong call. Come unto me. What an amazing statement. It's a statement of comfort. We always have someone to go to when things aren't going well in our life. And by the way, let me say this. We always have somewhere to go to when maybe we are struggling in our faith. There's nothing wrong when the struggle starts to come. It happened to the best of them. The beginning of the chapter, it came to John. But I hope that struggle draws us to Christ, not away from Christ. We must keep going to him. It's also an astonishing invitation. He directs those who are straying. Listen, don't go away, come to me. Don't go sideways, come to me. And it's very important. But it's also, if you think about it, it's an astounding command. It is words of authority to those who are wandering. Hey, come to me. Yep. Get over here. Amen. You need help. That's where problems in our life begins. We quit going to Christ. By the way, this church isn't about just, you know, how many people can we pack in here and all this stuff, although I want to reach the whole city. Probably never happened. But I want to reach everybody I can. I want to reach everybody I can outside of this city. I want our teams and, and, and something we're planning, I'm, I'm in the plannings. I want our teams over on the mission field to reach everybody they can in that area. Amen. I'm never going to be satisfied until every person finds the Lord. Because it's a vitally important thing. But you know, that's never going to happen if we're not going to the Lord. The message on Thursday night was very, very good. Pastor Becker, appreciate him. Are we with Christ? Are we spending time with him? Who is he talking to, those who are laboring? You see, people like, sometimes we think this, and you say, well, pastor, I'm here, and I'm all in on what the church is doing, and I've been around, and, and I've, I've served, and I'm serving now, and I'm going out into the community. That's great. You're going to the community. But let me ask you this. Are you also going to Christ? Because we can't go out to this world. We can't go out and help anybody unless we're getting help ourselves. I've said this before, I tell our staffs, and I heard it somewhere, God's more concerned with the worker than he is the work. Because if we're not right, how can we help somebody? What's going on in your life today? By the way, you know, most of our problems would be solved if we just spent time with God. Years ago, I think it was 2015, our theme was about the Bible. I remember saying in there, most of the problems you have in your life, 95% of them would be taken care of if you just 
sincerely and diligently spent time with God and in the Bible. I don't know how many times people come in and say, Pastor, I'm going through something in my life. I'm, I'm having this tr- tr- problem. And they'll talk to me. And I've heard this statement over and over. You know, I know I'm not spending time with God like I should, but... And then they'll tell me their problem. And I always go back and say, let's not, let's not butt in there for a minute. That's the problem. That's the problem. We're not spending time. I know some things come that are, 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 that are separate from that. But we have to be going to him. We cannot just be working for him. You know the Mary and the Martha syndrome. Uh, Martha was serving when, when Jesus was visiting and uh, Mary's sitting at his feet and Mar- Martha's irritated because Mary's not doing what she's doing and Jesus said, look, Mary's chosen the best part. Now, he didn't say that she shouldn't work too. He says she's doing the right part because she's getting the effort and the energy, she's getting the energy she needs to go forward. Imagine you put a, 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 a wick that is uh, put in oil. You know, you put the wick in oil and the oil burns through the wick, right? What if the oil's out? The wick burns and it's done. And it's over. We have to keep going to Christ. If we're working for Christ, let's make sure we're going to him. And if we're burdened, we need to go with, to him. Life has so many pressures involved. And Christians now, although it's not like the rest of the world, but there is some persecution. They don't like what Christians stand for. In our society, anything that's uh, 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 conservative of any nature, and that's not a political statement, that's a moral statement. But they'll just, on the left, they'll just, oh, they're horrible, because they they don't want to know. And by the way, conservatism, and I'm talking about in a lifestyle, comes from the Scripture. You can't read the Bible and come up with anything different. But, you know, if you're just trying to live for God, you're going to be a little different. And people don't like that for some reason. And so be careful. Sometimes just the process of of our life and everything that's going on and we need to go to him. That's why Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Let me apply this. Christian, make sure you regularly are going to Christ. It shouldn't be like, you know, uh, and you know, when we have our vacation every year, we do a bunch of things, but I always take my wife up to see her family. We do it every year. I mean, I I took her from them. The least I can do is let her visit every now and then. Now, there have been times I want to drop her off, but um, (laughs) I am kidding. I am kidding. Although the couch is super comfortable. Okay. But, but that just makes sense. But you know what? That's not how we, how we, most of us, you know what? When we go to Jesus, it's a vacation. Hey, I didn't see you this year, but I, I'm, I'm coming this year to see you for a little bit. We need to see him all the time. We need to be with him. And as a church, let us not lose our focus. Our focus is on Christ. Now, let me say this before I move on to the last couple points, which will be very, very quick. If you're not a Christian, the application is for you, too. Your labor, your, your, people are laboring sometimes in heavy burden because they're trying to work their way to heaven. Amen. You can't work your way to heaven. Right. You come to Christ. Yep. That's all you have to do. Secondly, we must keep laboring for Christ, with Christ. Verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you. And in verse 30, he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is life. What was a yoke? It bound animals together together. For the purpose of laboring. 
And you've known the, the illustration. I don't have it in my mind. I didn't write it down. But you know the one where one horse can pull like maybe, you know, 5,000 pounds. And the other horse, horse can pull 5,000 pounds. If you put them and they pull together, they'll pull like 20,000 pounds. Because of the energy of working together. Well, listen, when we're doing something for Jesus Christ in our lives, we don't do it alone. We're connected to him. By the way, he pulls a lot more weight than we do. Right? Okay, you know, our kids sometimes, when they were little, you get groceries like, hey, you want to come help? Like, okay, and you give them a loaf of bread. And they carry it to the house. Now, when they carry it to the house, you notice the middle's been squeezed. Those couple pieces of bread aren't going anywhere. But sometimes they want to carry something. Dad, I'll, I'll, they want to carry the milk or something real heavy. And you kind of have to put your hand underneath it to help them. How many know what I'm talking about? And it's like, they're not carrying that milk. Man, if I let them have it, it'd be everywhere. Well, listen, we need to be laboring, but we need to be laboring with Christ. Too many of us are trying to work in our lives and work on everything we're doing. We're trying to do everything ourselves, and we can't. Our church can't accomplish anything for God. Nothing for Christ. Unless we're yoked with him. Right? What did Jesus say? For without me, you can do nothing. You know what nothing is? It's not a little. It's not less than others. It's zip. It's zero. We can't do anything without him. And we have to labor with Christ. Are we yoked together? We know the verses. In Matthew, he wants us to reach this world. Where does this world start? At that door right there, and it goes everywhere. By the way, around the globe. It's not flat. You're not falling off, all right? I almost wish the world was flat. Maybe the other side, they got it right. I'm not sure. But we, but we have to labor with him. He left us that. You say, man, that's tough to do. No, he said it's easy. He said it's a light burden. Why? Because he is working with us. If you feel overwhelmed by things in life, could it be because you're not with him? You're not working in your life with him, and you're trying to do everything on your own from a spiritual sense, yes, sir. and he never made us for that. Amen. We can't. We have to labor with him. Thirdly, we must be learning about Christ. In verse 29, he says, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. We serve with him, but... More important than that, do we know him? We do things for him, but do we know him? What's more important? Knowing him? You know, I joked about my wife, but actually she's pretty great most of the time. Um, I remember years ago, I was working in a warehouse, and the guys were sitting there at the table. We were having lunch, and they were all eating. And I'm like, I'm just eating, listening to their conversation, and this is killing me here. It's crooked. Um, we can get that fixed. But anyhow, um, and, and they were talking about tennis shoes, right? Because we, we'd play basketball at break. They're like, man, I got some shoes the other day. My old lady, she argued with me, told me I can't get them. And they were, yeah, my old lady's like that too. And, my, and they're just arguing, and I'm eating lunch. And one of them said, hey, Steve, if you wanted shoes, what would your wife say? I'm like, well, you really want to know? And they're like, yeah. I said, if my wife found out I wanted shoes and I needed them, she would probably just go get them for me. Right. Amen. Well, that's just how she is. We were talking yesterday morning. There's this food that we found. Um, kolach. I don't know what it is. It's heaven. It's like a little roll with stuff in it. 
I don't know what it is, but I, I know they bake it in heaven. It's just, and we were joking around in the morning like, oh, man, I thought you got up early and you got some. And then she's coming home yesterday. Hey, I'm going to go stop by there and get you some. And I'm like, I already stopped by there before I came home. <laughs> but get some more. But you know, as, as much, and my wife's like that. That's her, that's her motivation. If somebody needs something, she'll do it. But as much as I can look back at the things she's done for me in our marriage, that's not the biggest deal. Just being with her is more important. There you go. That relationship is more important than what we do for each other. By the way, that's like a dad that's never home, like, well, I'm working to get money for you. Can I just tell you something? Your kids would rather have you. Yeah. I don't understand it, and your wife doesn't understand it, but that's just how it is. Yeah. That relationship is more important than what we do for one another. And that's very important. Most Christians, we grow up, some, some of our kids, they grow up, and, and, and they've heard all the stories, they've heard all the Bible, and yet they don't know him. We need to know what Jesus is like. He mentioned some things. He said he's meek and lowly. Those are two pretty good qualities. But we won't know Jesus is like that unless we are learning of him. Not just putting our time into the Bible. What is God really like? What is Jesus really like? What we typically do, and I'll move on to the last point, is we want to mold God into our own liking. In other words, the things that we want to deal with, that's the only part of Jesus we see, yeah. right? Like, you know, oh, I love the grace of God. And by the way, I love it. That's one of the best doctrines in the Bible. Yeah. But what about the truth part? We don't like that part. I remember years ago, I was visiting over in Carson, and um, there's a church over there. It's named after Adonira Judson, a great Baptist missionary. And on the side of their building, they had this big picture of Jesus, he looks like a gangbanger. He's like this, and he was saying, what's up? That's blasphemy. Jesus is not some gangbanger flashing gang signs asking you how your day is. That was real weak. But that's what we want Jesus to be like. No, he's God in the flesh. He, he loves us. But he also wants us to be his disciples, and he has requirements along those lines. Amen. But we don't know that if we don't learn of him. And then lastly, and this is great, it's all great, but we must keep accepting from Christ. Look at verse 29, what a wonderful promise. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. Amen. Let me just tell you something, you're not going to find rest on Twitter. On. Actually, it's called X now. I couldn't spell Twitter anyhow, so I can spell X, okay, right? You're not going to find rest watching the news. You're not going to find rest listening to our politicians. You're going to find stress, okay? You usually don't find rest at work, right, especially if your boss is having a bad day. Say, well, yeah, but I'm the boss, then don't have a bad day. Okay, but it's like, you know, this whole world just brings it on you. But you know what? When we're with Christ and we're yoked with him, we're spending time with him and all the stuff is right. You know what? All that stuff we can have rest. What was Jesus doing in the boat when it, was, when it looked like it was going to sink in the middle of a storm and his disciples were freaking out? What, what was Jesus doing? He was dead asleep. You know Why? He knew what was going on. He said, we're going to get in a ship and we're going to go to the other side. That's enough for me. 
If he says we're going to the other side, we're going to make it. And then they run down there and wake him up and say, hey, don't you care that we're going down? It's like, no, of course he doesn't care. No. You know, anybody can have rest when everything's going well. That's not rest. That's the result of good circumstances. You know what rest and peace is? It's when you can have that in the midst of nothing but toil and nonsense. If you can have that back in those type of times, you're doing okay. You're doing okay. Because you see what's going on from God's perspective, and you understand that God's in your life, and you have a relationship with Christ, and it's not fatal. It's just something you're going through. And he's in the ship with you. What's the point today? The point is this. We've been here for 35 years. And I look at my life. I've been serving God. I'm not going to tell you how many years. Because I know it is. When someone is in the church, they're like, you know, I got married at this. I'm figuring out their age. Are you like that? Like, okay, he said he got married here, and he's been a Christian this long. Am I the only one that doesn't listen in church? Maybe. But I'm not going to tell you. But I can tell you this. From the time I started serving Christ to now, I don't want there to be an expiration date. And our church was founded in 1988. I don't want there to be an expiration date. But it has to be about Christ. Who are we with Christ? I look around, and I've mentioned it over and over. We've had great things happen this year. I mean, it's been phenomenal, the stories and all that's going on. And it's just been great. But, but you know what? I don't, wanna, I don't want our church to rest on that. I want it to rest on Jesus Christ. And if you're here and you're not spending time with him, it, you, if you're not, if you're working with him, but you're not, if you're working for him, but you're not working with him, you could be on the track to one day stepping out. Yeah. You ever hear someone talk about burned out? Oh, bro, I'm burned out. You know how come people burn out? They run out of fuel. Our fuel is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Our, our energy comes from the time that we're with him. That's what our church is all about. And I hope as we look at 35 years, I'm looking to the future. They showed a nice little video. That's, that's nice and all that. But I'm not showing you the video of all the stuff in the past. We're done with that. We'll show it later on. But I love the past, but the past is the foundation for the future. Yeah. For the future. I'm excited about what God's going to do. But we need to stay with Christ. Amen. That's the question. How's your personal relationship with him? If that's not rock solid, you could have problems in the future. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes just for a minute if we may. Thank you for listening. The service is a little longer than normal. A lot of different things going on. Thank you for staying focused on this. Let me just ask you a couple questions. How's your relationship with Christ today? By the way, no one can ever say, I'm there because we never arrive. But we can know that, you know what, Pastor? I'm trying to spend time with God, and, and God does work in my life. I know he can do more, but Pastor, I'm there with him. Hey, keep that strong. Keep that strong. Don't let that get away. Maybe you say, Pastor, I'm a little inconsistent with that. I struggle with that. Then why don't you make a commitment? Hey, I'm going to make that a solid, solid, faithful thing. And for our church, our church will always rest upon Jesus Christ. Now let me say this before we open the invitation. 
If you don't know him as your personal savior, you can't have a relationship with him. You can't have a relationship unless you are in the family of God. You've been born into the family of God. That's the point. So here's the question. Are you 100% for sure that you were die today that you'd go to heaven? Or do you have any doubt at all? Because that can be taken care of. If you say, Pastor, I'm here this morning, but I'm not 100% for sure that if I were to die today, I'd go to heaven. I have some doubt. Pastor, would you pray for me with nobody looking around? If that's you, if you'd raise your hand real quick and then put it down. Anybody at all? Yes. In the back, I see that. I'll pray for you. Let's stand together. The piano is going to play. God spoke to you about anything. Say, Pastor, my relationship is right. Why don't we just say, Lord, help it to stay right. I want to be serving you 50 years from now if I'm alive. You say, Pastor, this is my church. I love this church. I'm going to help, and I want to see this church go forward. That's what it takes. It'll take you. Piano's going to play. If God spoke to you at all, why don't you come? Why don't you come?